Hi, this is Pastor Rick. Listen, we have a message for you today that's going to be shared by one of the people in our church who's a great minister. Her name is Minister Beverly Davis. She has a story that's amazing. She came from humble beginnings and rose to be an incredible woman who did a lot of great things for, for people. She tells a story about her life and a story about how you make decisions and how it changes everything. I love when some people talk about certain topics and when Miss Beverly talks about this topic, decisions, she has a story to tell that you don't want to miss. And so I want you to sit back and enjoy one of our leaders in our church, one of our ministers who's really talented. Enjoy her story, enjoy the message, and I hope it inspires you to make some incredibly good decisions. Enjoy. Good morning. Come on and stand on your feet and give Jesus a praise offering. He is great this morning and greatly to be praised. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and we're going to be glad in it. Hallelujah. Aren't you excited this morning? Woo. All righty. I'm going to ask you to have your seat in the house this morning. I love the Lord this morning with all of my heart. The Bible says he kept my eyes from tears my soul from death and my feet from falling. He is my all in all, my total source, my everything. I ask questions about everything. Lord, what would you have me to do right now? When my feelings betray me, Lord, what would you have me to do? When life is turned upside down, and I have to cry in the middle of the night. Lord, what would you have me to do? I want you to know this morning, he hadn't failed me yet. Amen. Sometimes you don't understand. Sometimes some things happen to me that I think, God, you know you could have fixed this. You know you could have fixed it with a wave of your hand. But you said no, so I trust you. I'm going to walk through this. I need your help to walk through it because I don't have the skill level yet to be this nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Y'all know how it is. I don't have the skill, skill set yet. But you can help me get through it. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to talk today about the power of good decisions. Our text this morning comes from 2 Kings chapter 7. And our big question this morning is, are you satisfied with your current location in life? Are you satisfied? Most of us are not. I don't care what you have. I don't care how big your house is. I don't care how much money you're making. Success is a funny kind of thing. Success for me is out there. Well, once I work and I achieve it, be it educational, financial, relationship, whatever it is, it moves again. It's something else now. I've got this. I live here and you get all happy. We rejoice. I stay here for a minute and then bam, it went out. It's a bigger house. It's some more money. It's a better kind of relationship. It's a deeper walk with God. Every time you get to it, it pushes out. So we're going to talk about that whole process and how to make good decisions. I realize in the house today we have several different generations of people, so all this message will be a different things to different people. So I thought about it this morning. I said, now, some of you are in your earlier life. You're trying to get established. You think you know a lot, 
Speaking as a girl who got married at 18 years old, let me just help you. <laughs> I thought I knew it all. My mama said something different, but, no, you know, I got this. You know how to get educated or get training, whichever you choose. You know how to buy a car. You know how to take care of a house. You know how to have children. But I promise you this morning that your life toolbox is 75% empty. You don't know what you think you know. You got some skills under your belt, but the old people in the house saying, amen. amen. We already know. We have some middle-aged folk in the house. You in the middle. You, you, the, you the people that say, let me tell you what the middle-aged people say. I don't know why she's talking to me like that. I'm grown. <laughs> Do you think I would say that at this stage in my life? When you get this old, you stop saying stuff like that. <laughs> Just look at me. Watch me. you see I'm grown. So you got a little experience under your belt now. You're in your middle of years. You know a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But one thing that's different from the younger people is you realize now the mistakes that you made back in your early life that are hindering you right now. Amen. You now can look at it and say, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have married him. <laughs> <laughs> you know the mistakes of your youth. You have a little bit more in your toolbox, and many of you have done very well, but you're still only 50% full. Your toolbox is 50% empty, trust me. You still don't know. Spiritually, financially, relationally, for what your potential is, you don't know yet. You can't see it. And then I have the senior crew in the house, yay. <laughs> By now, we have reached the pinnacle. We're on top of the mountain now. I ain't nowhere to go but back down the mountain. <laughs> we have experience of years. Years teach you. They teach you. Time teaches you. Most old people you talk to, we say stuff like, if I could do that again, I got it now, God. So we're at the pinnacle. You have more than the middle, more than the early, but you're still learning. And you're still only 80% full. Your toolbox is still only 80% full. There's still a future ahead of us. I'm going to quote one of my classmates. He said, well, Beverly, I think we got about 20 more years on our feet. 20 good years, we can do this. Well, here's the thing. At this point in my life, I know 20 years is only a blink in time. I've done that at least three times now. I'm working on number four. <laughs> Come on now. So we realize at a certain point that we have, we're at the end. The question for us is, you may be satisfied. We're retired. You know, you work in America. We teach that little concept that, you know, you work for 62 years or 65 years, depending on when you want to get your money out the Social Security people before they shut it all down. <laughs> so you work those years, right? And then I'm going to go home because I don't have to come here and listen to you anymore. <laughs> I have reached it. But what you find out is God has poured so much into us. You have an alabaster box full 
of experience, of life that God has given you their gifts. Are you going to bury that gift? That's the question. You're going home and look at TV and cook dinner. And my grandma, I can remember 4 o'clock every day she had to see, what was it, Paul? The guy in light. The guy in light. Don't come, don't call. Are you going to become that person who sits on the porch and wave at people? Are you going to take what's in your alabaster box and pour it into some young person? See, let me tell you something. Uh, uh, the older women, the Bible said we ought to teach the younger women how to live. I need to teach you how to have a peaceful home. I need to teach you how to not stay in that argument. I need to teach you how to be quiet. Hello? Stop the argument. We'll talk about it later. When I've been married nearly 20 years, nothing like my contemporaries in my, in my stage of life. I've been married a short time because most of my people throughout years, like 40 and 50 and, you know, in all of those million years that they've been married, but well, I've only been married 20. But here's what I can tell you. I decided that I would live in a peaceful home. Amen. I decided to be married. I decided I'm going to stay here. So when life gets all topsy-turvy at the house, I get quiet. I decided to be here. I'm not going anywhere. Uh-huh. This all work out. That's what time teach you. This all work out. It'll be over in a minute. We're not going to rush and get a divorce and not lose all my stuff and all of that. Put a cap on it. We can talk about it next week. I can count the time in 20 years that we have raised our voice at each other. We don't, on one hand, we don't do that at my house. I decided the power of a good decision will keep you moving. Now, gentlemen, let me talk to you. Some of y'all have some serious experience for these young men. These young girls don't have nobody to marry. They're all locked up. Come on, y'all know it's the truth. Half of the population is gone. You can talk to them. You made that mistake. You can tell them how not to have a second wife. You can tell them if you're willing to bear it, if you're willing to bear the embarrassment of telling you I made a mistake and you don't need to do it that way. You can tell them what to do when they get into the hands of a police officer. Be quiet, take the ride, we'll come get you after the ring. Hello? Stay alive. Stay alive. Be quiet. You fight your case in court. This man not listening to you. All you're doing is getting on his nerve. Be quiet. Y'all can help him. Don't talk about it in the barbershop. Pour it out. Amen? Amen. 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 My big thought for the day, the question is, will it, die, will it die with you? Tell it. Your decision-making ability can change your future. The power of good decisions can change your life. They can take you to new places and new experiences. Your decisions have the power to move you from the status quo to a better life today and a better future. It's the power of the way you think. So we fall into the scripture this morning in the book of Kings, chapter 7. I'll tell you the beginning of the story is that the, 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 the um, Sumerians are in a fortified city. They're in a safe place, but what has happened to them is that the enemy, the Syrians, have surrounded them so that they are cut off. 
What does that mean? When you're in a walled city, you feel like you were in a safe place. That's what it felt like. That's what it sounded like when you built all those walls. Some of us have emotional walls that need to come down. Y'all know that? Uh-huh. Because you said, nobody will ever do that to me again. You're cutting out people who wouldn't do it, but you can't see it because you got a wall up. Y'all with me? You cut off from what God can do for you because you have all these walls up around you of where your experiences have taken you. I understand. I understand you've been hurt in that area. I understand that you don't want the scab scratched off. I understand that. But here's the thing. If you keep the wall up, the good people can't get in either. Y'all with me? If you keep the wall up, God can't even get in. He can't speak to you softly at night because you're not willing to hear because you have your walls up. Somebody need to take some walls down this morning. Amen. Amen. So it's Samaria. They're, they're cut off and they're in this fortified city. Well, the problem is they're starving in there because there's no way to get food in. They even, if you look, read chapter 6, it's an ugly story about them resorting to cannibalism. They're hungry. So that's where we fall in to the story. We're talking about lepers in chapter 7. Five men sitting outside the gate, and I'll read the scripture to you in just a moment. Let me just explain what a leper is. That's a person with a contagious skin disease. It's, uh, it's a disease of the nervous system, the mucous membranes, membranes, the nerves. It causes discoloration, lumps on the skin, disfigurement and deformities. Your extremities, your fingers, your toes could just fall off. And so because they're in a, in a time when you don't know what causes this, we don't know why you got that or how you got it, and I don't want it, they are isolated and put outside the city. They live in groups in caves. They live in groups outside the city. But our story this morning is centered on five men who are sitting outside the city with this disease. Now, you also have to understand that the law says you can't come around people. They have a certain amount of feet. You need to stay away from me. A certain amount of feet. I read it in Leviticus last night. I thought, wow. When you come to this person, you can only be this many feet. When you come in this situation, you have to be, you had to stay isolated. So if my mama had leprosy, and in my heart, I'm saying, well, we can just keep her in the back room. She'll be all right. We'll feed her and make sure she's okay. You couldn't do that. She had to go. They can't stay. They're isolated and they're cut off and dependent on the kindness of strangers. The Bible says, now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we're going to city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Armenians and surrender. The Armenians are the enemy. If they spare us, we'll live. So we might find some mercy over there because there's none over here. If they kill us, then we'll die. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Armenians. Their condition is grievous, and their options are few. And some of you find yourself in that position today. 
You're in a grievous place in your options are few. Well, let's see what these men did to get them out of that situation. There are three critical decision-making elements we learned from the lepers. I want you to repeat them after me. Evaluation, Evaluation. Direction, direction, and action. Evaluate your situation. Where am I? They evaluated their current situation. They knew they were sick. They knew they couldn't go home. They knew they weren't satisfied with where they were. I'm sick and I can't go home. I talked to so many people because I worked with Pastor Rick as his assistant and I talked to a lot of people who have issues. <coughs> And, I th and my, one of my questions will be if the situation is dire, what about going home? And they'll say, I can't. There's nothing to go back to. So when you're in that position, then you have to think your way out of it. Then you're going to have to come up with a good decision that's going to sustain your life. But there are many people, when you say, I'll go home, they'll think, say, I can't. There's nowhere to go. They were dependent on the kindness of strangers to bring them food and to feed them. They were hopeless, there was no cure, and they were helpless to what that disease was gonna to do to them. They would die without a change. Some of you feel like that spiritually, I'm gonna die if something doesn't happen different from what I'm, what I'm doing right now. From where I'm standing right now, you look fine, you're all dressed up, and in your heart you're saying, I've been there. I'm going to die if I stay right here. Spiritually, I'm going to dry up because this is too much for me. But look at I need you to repeat one more time after me. Don't, I really don't like preachers who do this, but I'm, I need to do it today. <laughs> repeat after me. They're in this grievous situation. But God. Uh-huh. There's a God element that we deal with. We are worshipers. The Bible says he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. We're worshipers. We're not left outside in the dark, all hungry and, and all these things, and sick, and we don't have an option. We have an option. So you pray for somebody and they died anyway. Well, there's a way you can look at that. There are two ways. Every man have a day they have to die. Amen. And some children. The Bible says, all my days are written in the book before there was one. The Bible says, he was with me when I was conceived in secret. In my mother's womb, he was with me. He made sure I was the one that made contact with my mother. He brought me here. But I have a number on me today. I'm clear. Are you? That when I get to that day, I got to leave. It's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So when we try to pray people alive, you have to take into consideration what the Word says about it. All my days are written in the book. See, I got some kids, one of them sitting right over there, who are going to be extremely unhappy without me. I have to remind him, I can't stay with you forever. I got to go. You can pray and pray and pray, but I got to go. So you prayed about something, and sometimes we take a kid's mentality with it. See, my grandkids can ask me for cookies and I'll give them to them. I'm grandma, I can give out cookies when I want to give out cookies. <laughs> but if they come back too many times, 
my answer is no. Or if I know it's just before dinner, my answer is no. And they might think I'm mean. But no, I know more than you know about this. I know the end result of this. I've been here a long time. God is just like that with us. I can't give you what you're asking for, for me for right now because it's going to hurt you. Amen. You're going to end up sick. Then your mama going to be coming to my house. You're, <laughs> you're going to end up sick. So I can't give it to you right now. Some no's are not no forever. Some no's are no for the moment. Because I have to get you to a certain place emotionally. Because the Bible says in uh, maybe Deuteronomy. I can't give the, he told the Israelites, I can't give it to you all at once. Little by little, I have to give it to you. Lest the beasts of the fields consume you. You'll be consumed. We see it on TV all the time. You see those athletes, they get the million dollar contract. You got no money one day. You got millions of dollars the next day and you tank out. God said, I won't do that to you. You're asking me for it, but you can't have it yet. Mm-hmm. There are some things that hurt us. And we're like, why, God, why? Well, that's the same way my grandbaby feel when I take him, because I know more than him, to get an immunization shot. I'm going to hold you down and let them hurt you. <laughs> that's how they feel. They're looking at you like, how could you do this to me, Mama? <laughs> Here's the thing. I know better than you. God is that way with us. His understanding is way over ours. Our alabaster box is not only 80% full in this room at the most. He knows the other 20%. And he knows that if I give you this, it's going to wreck your life. Amen? Amen. 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 The power of a good decision. So they evaluate this situation and they come up with, let me ask you the side question, where do you want to be anyway? Have you thought about it? Where are you and where do you want to be? Where are you and where do you want to be? Have you even taken the time to evaluate what you really want? See, I can go to be a doctor, a lawyer, an Indian chief. When I put all the options down, here's the thing. I have to start scratching stuff off. I can't be an Indian chief because I'm not Native American. There we go. Bam, that's over. I can't be a doctor because I don't like blood. It makes me cringe. You know, I have sons, and they are just the most amazing little people. Especially that youngest one. He had cut his skin down to the white meat and said, look, mama. And I'm like, ooh, I can't do that. Scratch. I can't be a medical person. I don't like the way it looks. So can I be a lawyer? Sure I can. I can argue real good. <laughs> so once you, the, after you evaluate, the field narrows down. What are the things that I really can do? What is the potential? And once I decide what I really can do, how do I get there? What's the cost of it? What is it going to cost me? Should I go to school and get some more education? Do I need to get some training? Do I need to stop spending and save some money? Um, is that a real thing, right? Do I, need, do I need to stop spending and save some money? What do I need to do to turn the ship around? Do I need to, in my relationships, be kinder? Be kind. We don't even use that word anymore. Do I need to be patient? Do I need to love you with patience at your shortcomings? What do I need to do to turn this ship around? Count up the cost. Write it down. The Bible said write the vision. Write it down. Figure it out. These men sitting here discussing. What do we need to do? We have all bad options. 
But one little light said it might not kill us. Let's go over there. Mm-hmm. They say to themselves, why sit here and die? Let me ask you that. Why are you going to sit there and die? You know what you want. Move on it. You know what you want. Pray about it. Get all of the facts and move. Amen? Amen. Amen. Where are you? And where do you want to be? As you gain clarity about your alternatives, you become clear about your own goals, dreams, and desires. And the field of possibility is narrow, just like the doctor, the lawyer, and the Indian chief. It started narrowing. Well, like that. No, 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 no. I have a vision board over my desk at my house of all the things I think God said he wanted me to do. And last night I went home after I preached this message at 5 o'clock and I looked at that board. Would you believe that I'm about halfway there? There were impossible things when I put them up. But somehow your brain is a powerful thing. Ooh. You can lock out your dreams or you can get them there. I try to tell my students all the time, stop telling me what you can't do. That'll lock you out. Let me tell you something, principle of your brain. I can say, this pen is lost. I lost my pen. I don't know where it is. You ever lost your keys? And everybody in the room saying, it's right there. It's right <laughs> And you saying, where, where? You, you know your brain won't recognize it. You said it was lost. It's insane if it's sitting right there and it's lost. That doesn't make sense. You can train your brain to think positive thoughts, or you can use all those negative terms that it's going to lock in on, and then you really can't. Come on, let's just turn it around today. Amen? Amen. You'll gain clarity financially, spiritually, physically, emotionally, and relationally. What does it take to get where you really want to be? What does it take? It's out there for you. God is, a, is, is an enabler. He is a rewarder. He knows how to restore that that you thought you lost. That's how I end up finishing college. I told y'all I got married at 18. How foolish can you be? It, 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 it slowed me down to a snail's pace because now I have, as Miss Alice over there said, I have the cart in front of the horse. I got to try to figure out how to get him back out front. It slowed me down. So... What the Armenians did, excuse me, what the lepers did was they decided to choose to move. Your worst enemy right now is inaction. The worst thing you can do is sit down and die in this spot. The worst thing you can do is walk out of here this morning after God sent you a message that said, figure out what you want, figure out how to get there, and then I can help you. I can't help you if you're just going to let it swim around in your head and some ideas. Figure it out. Put it down. Make it concrete. Let's go. Tell your brain, this is where we're going. That's what my vision board is. I told my brain, that's where we're going. That's where I need to go. And it started making things happen, slowly but surely. Inaction is your greatest enemy. They understood that they needed to experience a new possibility. And here is what the cool thing is about this whole story. God had already delivered them. 
the enemy, God has stirred up the enemy camp, and they got scared and left. Had they stayed sitting in front of that gate, had they not made a decision to go over to the camp, they wouldn't know nobody was there. All we have to do is walk in and take what we want. All they had to do was move. Your lack of movement is causing you to be stuck. And it's you. It's not God. The power of a decision. If they had not taken action, they would have died right there. But I'm asking you this morning, why stay here and die? It's power and movement. Get up. You want to go to college, but you weren't a good high school student. That stopped a lot of people. Well, guess what? They have remedial courses. Start at the bottom. Take a refresher and then move up. You don't have to die there. But what you do is set up a wall that says, I'm dumb, not smart. I can't do that. You set up a wall, and God can't get to you through the wall, and you can't get out. You're just like the Samaritans. You want a better marriage, but you got the wall up. I'm not going to let him do that to me because, see, the last person did da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Now I got to make sure that you don't do that. So you put up this wall where he can't get in, and you can't get out. So it's all going to fall down. Same thing with money. You got people who spend. You got a $20,000 raise and you went and spent $25,000. Well, guess what? You still got a wall up because in your brain, insanity is, you have something called a creative subconscious. So I understand. And that's where I, where I hold the truth about life. So if I was a little kid, according to the class I used to teach, and my mama come and I'm drawing on her wall, making this beautiful picture of whatever, and she spanks me for it, take my crayon, shut me down. When you talk to me as an adult and you ask me to draw something, I'm going to say, I can't do that. I'm not good at that. Did y'all know that? Because that's the truth for me right now. So if your first love left you for somebody cuter, men or women, mm -hmm, and you set that up as the truth, that's I'm not really cute. So every time I compliment you, 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 you you're talking about how you don't look. Oh, oh, I, you know, I just found something and put it on. No, I didn't. I planned this outfit. <laughs> I worked all morning long. I changed twice to get here today. But in your heart, if you've set it up as the truth, it's insanity. I'll tell you where you see it work most, and I'm moving on. Somebody win the lottery. They had zero dollars. When they went to the store, they had um, five dollars, and they bought the ticket and played the number, and they won a million dollars. You know what they'll do? This is insane. I got a million dollars. Something's wrong with this. They'll spin and spin and spin. Spin and spin and spin and spin and spin. They'll buy a lake, they'll buy a plane, they'll spin and spin and spin until they broke again. And now I'm back in my comfort zone, and now this makes sense. I don't have no money. You have to change your inner truths and understand who God called you to be. Who are you based on what God said? I'm a royal child. 
I think a lot of myself. I'm a holy nation. I'm peculiar. No, I'm not like everybody else. God said you're peculiar people. Uh -huh, I'm an heir and I'm joined heir with Christ. That's who I am. I go into a room, and I know the cards stacked against me. I go in there saying, I'm God's anointed up in him. Yeah. I don't need to fight that battle quite like that. You got to know, though. You got to build a new truth in yourself. So I end today in my conclusion. Walking with God will give you clarity when your feelings are all over the place. Feelings are betrayal. Y'all listen to me. Feelings. Don't move on feelings. You need to logically find the facts out. I told a story last night, I'm going to tell it real quick, about when I walked off my job because they said something to me that I did not like. And it's me. What's wrong with you? So I went and got my pocketbook. Listen, they could have put that on Hallmark the way I walked out. <laughs> it was fit for a movie. I'm telling you, in all the drama that I was created to have, I got my stuff and I walked up out of there. I dare you talk to me like that. So one of the things that I've been faithful about doing is I keep some friends that are telling me the truth. You don't need anybody to go along. I don't need to call you and you tell me, yeah, girl, they say that you need to walk out of there. I would have walked out too. Because here's the thing. You are not going to be with me when them people send me a light bill. <laughs> Hello. I called my friend Debbie. I said, this and this happened, and she said, da-da-da-da-da, and da-da-da-da, and she said, girl, you better go back to work. <laughs> she said, that was not about you. What happened wasn't about you. You stepped into, this is what she said to me, you stepped into a moment, into her space, and her moment, and it sprayed out on you. It wasn't about you. Some of us are stepping in other people's stuff, and then when it spray on you, 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 you do what I did, something crazy. I bet you what, I made a U-turn right in the street. Went back to work. I got back just in time, y'all. <laughs> Keep my government-paying job. <laughs> Four decisions I made to have a better future. I decided to trust God in difficult times. I've had some horrific things that happened. The most horrific was when I had cancer in my mouth and, and the doctor explained to me how he was going to cut away about half of the roof of my mouth and I'm saying, oh no, you won't. Mm -mm, that's just too much. I was terrified at the diagnosis. Then it didn't help that I went to another doctor and he looked at it and he said, are you sure this is what wrong? Like, Am I sure? <laughs> you got the paper. <laughs> so I went into surgery. And I, well, let me tell you the first part. I came out of that man's office who didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and I told my husband, I said, I'm going to die right now. I'm not going to do that. He said, you can't do that. I said, yes, I can. That's my life. You can't tell me I can't give my life up. What kind of foolishness is that? And that one over there was a whole other story. So, I went and got I evaluated. I went and got some more information. I found out what could happen. I laid on that operating table in that room understanding I was God's anointed. Yeah. Hello. Uh-huh. No weapon formed against me. 
is going to prosper. I laid on that table, and I said, God, I trust you with my life. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I'm not going to tell you it wasn't a hard walk back. I had to learn to talk again. I had to learn a whole bunch of other stuff. But guess what? I can talk now. Y'all can understand me real clear, can't you? <laughs> Hello. God is good. So here's the thing. I stopped making decisions based on feeling, and I decided to be educated, which changed all the options in my life. I went back to school at 50 years old. So come on up in here. Every answer you need today is in the word of God. Amen. He gives you clarity. He gives you balance. You don't know? The book of wisdom is Proverbs. It tells us what to do in most situations, what friends they have. It tells you to trust God with your whole heart and don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he's going to direct your path. It tells you what kind of friends they have. It tells you who not to marry. It tells you who to marry. It tells you don't co-sign for folk because they ain't going unless you can pay the bill yourself. <laughs> Proverbs tell you that. Psalms, the book of Psalms talk to me when I'm messed up. The Bible says it talks to me when I'm messed up. And when I have messed up badly and I want to run from the altar because you're ashamed, like Adam and Eve, let me get away, let me get away. But the Bible says I need to run to him. And David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. You run to God when you're in trouble. The Bible tells you that. When I'm depressed, he said, Thou art my portion in the land of the living. Attendance of my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I might praise your name. And the righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Stand on your feet today. Your answer is in the word. Hallelujah. God gives you clarity. When you're not clear, turn to the Word. And though, if you have not a Bible reader, let me just encourage you go to the Psalms and Proverbs first. Genesis is going to mess you up, Revelation is going to mess you up. The Psalms and the Proverbs will get you there. Y'all with me? Amen. Now, every head bowed and every eye closed in the house today. Is there anybody in here today that say, I need Jesus' help in the pardon of my sins? I haven't committed to him. The greatest, the greatest, the greatest decision I ever made was to trust God with my life. The greatest decision I made was to commit myself to him. If you're in here today and you made that need to make that decision, let me see your hand. Just raise it up. Everybody eyes closed. They don't know you did it. Go ahead. They go one, two. They go three, four. Come on. Come on up in here. God will give you clarity. I guarantee you. Let's talk with them today. I need you to repeat after me, Heavenly Father. I come today. I surrender to you. Come into me and be Lord of my life. Strengthen me where I'm weak. Lift me up where I'm bowed down. And I'll serve you the, best of my, the rest of my day. In Jesus' name. Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message. What makes any message like this important is the person preaching it is honest and they share their life and they help you see things about yourself. Uh, the journey that she's taken, uh, the person that she's become after sharing all that she shared today, you see that you can make a decision and you can change everything in your life. 
I pray it inspires you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be flawless. You just have to be honest and you have to make a decision one day to change your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that the message they've heard today inspired them, that they enjoyed the moment hearing an honest young woman tell the story of how God changed her life and how she grew and learned and how she's still so young in soul and spirit. I pray blessing upon those and may they inspire a man, a woman, a child, a young person to believe in themselves. An older woman who is above 50, may she look at her and say, I too can rise above this and be amazingly gifted and be used of God and prosper. I thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Well, thank you for letting me talk to you today. I pray that you join us next time as we continue talking about decisions and how it can change your life. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.